This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Badlands, 2005. All you can do, Garson, for the moment anyway, is to get your RX-107 repair, requisition a new patrol system, and have them ready for one final assignment. Manana at 0900. Fine, I'll be ready. But I want to know what's behind this. A new program. Marshals, human marshals are gradually going to be phased out. District administration plans to switch over to cyborgs. Cyborgs. Yeah. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that asks, this show, does it split any atoms? I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You ruined my what's real. My what's real is also going to be about splitting atoms. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down too. It was a good line. It was, was a good line. Did you write the actual line from it, the show? It's like, they ask about a name. They're like, he goes, does the name Johnny Cantrell split any atoms for you? It's such a good, I really like that. I was just like, that's Every, a great phrase. Everything's great about it. The phrase itself is great, but also the name Johnny Cantrell. Johnny Cantrell, you're a big fan of that? I think that's the best thing of the show. Well, they say it a lot. <laughs> they do, yeah. Well, this week we are watching the uh, TV movie Failed Pilot for a show called Badlands 2005. Had uh, you heard anything about this before? No, I think the only thing I knew about it was, you know, you and I having a conversation at one point and going through things and talking about stuff. And I knew there was this pilot and that Sharon Stone was in it. And I think it's 88, right? Yeah, it's uh, it aired broadcast August 25th, 1988 on ABC. ABC. And... I don't know what this show was supposed to be. I mean, I think it's pretty much Mad Max meets Little House on the Prairies. Right. But I'm going to argue it's only Mad Max for about five minutes. Well, that's true. But then I think that's what it is. It's just like yeah. they're stealing the aesthetic of Mad Max. But the idea is it's like a weird frontier. Mm-hmm. It's a little more like you're a sheriff in the Old West, maybe. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't quite work. I, I, I think, I I think you're right. I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, I, it obviously isn't quite working. And also, uh, fun fact, this is the second time we've tried to watch this. That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, when when did we originally, for season one? For season one, I think we tried to watch on YouTube, but it turned out to all be in like Russian, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to give up. I think we ended up watching uh, Warlord, Battle for the Galaxy. Was that a good trade-off? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was available. <laughs> yeah, it was available, yeah. Yeah, but this time some uh, angel perched on our shoulder and uploaded it in English like two months ago yeah like it's crazy to me that someone in that recent since we've started this podcast somebody's come along and said you know the internet doesn't have badlands 2005 yeah my, my hope is actually that we do this uh, little conversation about it and then it goes away again so that no one can no one can follow up again. and the old, one of the few records is that spanish thing or sorry the russian version and and our you know three-hour discussion going back to the fact that it like has this mad max vibe how excited were you when you saw the director? <laughs> yeah. So the director's name. It comes up in the credits. George Miller. George Miller directed by. Yeah. And you're like, what? He directed this? And you already have this this sense that it's going to be this Mad Maxy thing. And I thought, what an odd choice that he would do this low budget version knockoff of himself. But it's not George Miller. It's fake George Miller. Yeah. It's just another guy named George Miller. I mean, I guess if you're going to make Mad Max, you got to get a guy named George Miller. And here's, Any the, guy. here's the thing. That guy... <laughs> That poor director, he must have known the connection. Like, he probably, his whole life, is always getting compared to George Miller. He's always having to correct people and go, no, no, I didn't do that movie you like. I've done 85 TV shows you don't like. Um, and he already has that. Then he gets this script, and he has to actually do a Mad Max ripoff. What an, what a sad, sad day for this guy. Well, his IMDb uh, profile, it says, uh, not the Ma- George Miller. <laughs> That's like the start of his profile. It's like, it's like, like on the my name is like name tag on his shirt. It just says... Not not the George Miller you're thinking of. Not the George Miller you're thinking of. Oh, dear. Um, well, there's not much to speak of history-wise when this came out. Um, I was trying to figure out if anything happened on August 25th of 1988, but it's a pretty quiet time. The best I could do for you is uh, the day before, August 24th, was the day Rupert Grint, Ron from Harry Potter, was born. I don't know what any of that is, but yep. You've never seen the Harry Potters? Nope. You don't know who Rupert Grint is? Nope. Well... You really are. Is he, uh, is he? Is he the? Uh, he's Ron. He's the, which one's he? He's Ron. 
Everyone's favorite, fan favorite, Ron. Ron, he's one of the cho- the children. <laughs> Is he one of the children? He's one of the children. Oh, yeah, okay. Which one? <laughs> well, he's not Harry Potter. He's not the girl. He's not the girl. <laughs> so he's the uh, he's a little redheaded boy. That's the one. Yep. You know what? I got my finger on the pulse of what's uh, hip with today's youth. You know, you you stopped paying attention. <laughs> 25 years ago <laughs> yeah i stopped paying attention before i was born so <laughs> i'm only interested in the past if it doesn't have like who who would be your favorite actor like a fonda like a peter fonda is this like was that where you stopped caring i i, I would prefer henry fonda to peter fonda personally um, but that's that's the era where you stop i like i like that i like that yeah, yeah 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 that's that, yeah that's right pop rocks and uh I don't know. Uh, baseball cards in the in the spokes of the wheel. I do. I do like the idea that you were born, and you didn't. Cho- you chose to learn nothing of your own generation. You're just like, eh, what happened ten years before? Now yeah. that's yeah. For, that's what's for me. Every, everyone's got their own thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough. Enough harassing you. Are you ready to get this going? I am. Well, here's the IMDb summary for Badlands 2005. A hard as nails female boss <laughs> heads to. U.S. Marshals, one human, one bionic, in Badlands 2005, a concept where the near future sees water as a more precious commodity than gold. Okay, a couple of things right off the top. And who did that? That was anonymous, it was right? An, it, was, it was anonymous. Um, she's not hard as nails by any stretch. If anything, she's um, uh, saddled with terrible flirtiness with Mr. No Charisma. Um, <laughs> second... The weird thing, uh, as we were mentioning, there's very Mad Max elements to this, and we'll go through it. But remember in Mad Max, everyone needs gasoline? Guess what in this world? They all need water. Although, it doesn't really affect things at all when you start thinking about it. Like, the whole thing is, the world has gone through a big drought, and now the drought is over or not over? Well, I don't know if the world went through a drought. That's what I think is unclear. Let's let's talk about it. Okay. The the episode... TV movie episode starts with the subtitle Brides of Lizard Gulch. Well, isn't that a way better name? Way yeah. better name for a show. I, I mean, if it, you were if you were at the time uh, thumbing your way through a TV guide and you see Badlands 2005, I'd be like, meh. But if I saw Brides of Lizard Gulch, I'd be like, what is that? And where am I in front <laughs> of the TV, my friend? I mean, it was fun to be like, oh, this episode has a title. But you didn't have any more episodes. I think what it was was every episode probably would be Badlands yeah. 2005 in this, you know, yeah. uh, the caves of dystopia or something. I mean, I guess it just makes me wonder. They must have put this out thinking, hey, maybe this will go. Because but wouldn't you know by this point, by the time your TV pilot is airing, you wouldn't you be pretty clear that, well, we didn't get more episodes? I think once the first viewing of this, everyone must have said, oh, this is not going to happen. Yeah, maybe that's all. Maybe they did it and they're like, well... We'll save it for later. Save it for uh, the summer, August 25th, yeah. when there's nothing else going on. Anyway, getting back to the world of the story, the t- there's sort of titles to explain it. In 1995, a severe drought forced people out of the West to the cities. So it seems like the drought maybe was just in the West, or am I wrong? Maybe it is the whole world? All we know is it's it's large enough that it's it's really ravaged the population, at least at least it's, uh, it's displaced people. It's pushed them out of only the West, not the East. Right. Just the West, apparently. And in 2005 now, we've jumped forward 10 whole years. Settlers are returning. As mentioned, water is more precious than gold. And uh, they're kind of coming back to like resettle the West. But why are they, why are they coming back if there's no water? I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe. Like, I don't know. Maybe they figured out how to, like, that's it. I don't know. I don't know. But it also has no effect on anything. It's a weird um, world and premise to set up. That really has no effect. It's not like the whole point is they get stranded at one point and there's no water or they're fighting over water i mean a little bit at the beginning but it's kind of a it's a little yeah i mean they really are just wanting to do a western and i guess maybe why they're resettling is they keep implying over the course of the episode that the cities are very full of people and it's not a pleasant place to live right so people want to come and have a little more elbow room it really is trying to postulate that kind of like settling of the west thing like why people came from europe they're really trying to like make a western by stealing all those ideas but they also are like you know what's popular? Mad Max. Yeah. How can we put them together? It definitely seems to be the case anyway. But good that you're mentioning Mad Max because we jump. I For all the problems of this this uh, show, and this show has a lot of problems, the opening sequence is pretty great and pretty exciting, I would say. For for an opening of a show, you're just like, it's 
almost nonstop action for like a minute and a half. Two oh minutes. yeah, I mean they're they're one hundred percent just ripping off a great scene out of Mad Max. But it, there's an armored water transport driving on the highway. Uh, we get to meet the guys driving it, and it looks good by the way. Oh, it it's, looks great. it's sort of like a um, a mix of a train and a tanker truck kind yeah. of mixed together, heavily armored. Yeah, like. Everything we're describing could easily fit into a Mad Max world. Mm-hmm. You've kind of got a gunner up front who uh, he's got like a mountain machine gun on top to guard it, and he's uh, talking to the driver about how this is kind of his last his last hurrah out here on the road because he's uh, he's moving to the city. There's no more jobs out here. All all the robots are taking the jobs. Yeah, include. Did you catch what jobs they're also taking? No, no. What do they say? He's just like, oh, those robots are just taking all the jobs. Even the lawyer jobs. <laughs> That's right. He did say that, right? They just keep talking yeah. about how all the lawyers in the city now are robots. And I'm just like, you guys, explain. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a lot of um, conversations in this show in vehicles as they drive that are sort of expository, but not really because it doesn't really add anything. Do, yeah. They're just like buddies chatting. They're always yeah. like two dudes just shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But of course, um, because it's the start of the exciting episode, they are attacked by a, a very stereotypical group of water bandits um, mm-hmm. driving uh, driving around in uh, classic Mad Max cars, wearing top hats. Oh, I was going to say, who is that your favorite of the guys? Oh, Top Hat Man? Yeah. Top Hat Man, that's my favorite. I mean, they clearly were like, you're going to be the guy we focus on. Here's a Top Hat. Yeah. He's, he was just before filming, they're just watching like a Guns N' Roses music video and they went, hey, there's something there. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. This is a good idea. Yeah. The attack is picked up by uh, CCTV cameras that seem to be monitoring the highways. I guess there's like cameras like along the highway. Sure. We don't see them, but yeah, they're there. I mean, we do see them briefly. Do we? Yeah, because the whole thing starts off on a shot of a camera, like a CCTV camera. Oh, you're right. You are right. I take it back. Apparently, these images are basically sent back to some sort of central command, and that's how they, uh, the the roaming marshals who are going to be our heroes of this, kind of how they get word that there's an attack happening. And uh, we get to meet our heroes. You already said you forgot one that was named Max, but how could you forget? No, Rex. Rex, sorry. It's because I, t- I just combined the two names of the yeah, first Yeah, you, you got Marshall Garson Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth, which I didn't think was a great name. It's it's Noah Johnny Cantrell, which is amazing. You got Rex, and then later on, we're going to we're gonna meet our hard-as-nail boss, apparently, who's not hard-as-nails, and that's Alex Neal. Yes, Governor Alex Neal. Isn't she a governor? I think they called her governor at some point. I was like, all right, sure. Oh, okay. okay. Anyways, but what, the real two main people are are Macbeth and Rex. Yes, and they're and they're getting a call to intercept, and it kind of interrupts their discussion of historical baseball, which was <laughs> so... Exhausting. Exhausting. I mean, yeah. it's really setting up the fact that their call sign is the green monster mm-hmm. because he loves baseball so much. This is a weird trope I didn't think many other people have maybe had to witness as you and I, but weird baseball throwbacks and science fiction as a way to humanize or ground our main characters it's something it's something you actually i think you're right we see a lot it's a way of giving something for the audience to identify with like i like that thing and i know that thing like you see it in like the new star trek remake where he puts on the beastie boys it's mm-hmm. like why would you care about something from that far back well just because it is something to relate to well what was the um man and machine he was into collecting baseball yeah, baseball cards. cards. Um, didn't what's his face from Almost Beyond? Also, also baseball. Wang yeah, was that's into right. Baseball. Yeah, baseball and sci-fi. I think it just yeah, it is that thing where it's just like, here's a little thing you can latch onto. And I guess baseball. I don't know. It's it's, it's American Pie. It's American it's, Pie. It's, yeah. yeah, it's as American as you can get. That yeah. must be why why yeah. that's a a go to. It really establishes like a wholesome character. Mm-hmm. There's never been a bad person who's like baseball before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, he, and, and Custer City. This is where they're operating out of. The city's called Custer City. Yeah, the city's called Custer City. Yeah. What does that mean? I just assumed it was named after uh, General Custer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would assume so too. Because it's very, I think that is like a, it's like, it's a Western Custer. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. it feels like those pieces are here. Um, Max and Rex go to intervene on this attack. And uh, how much did you enjoy when their car split into two and then became two different cars? It, it reminded me of a sequence from Galactica 1980, uh, something very similar. But I have to say, it's, it's not the best effect ever, but I actually thought the vehicles, while clearly a knockoff of Mad Max, they all looked pretty good, I thought. And, and the effect was okay. It's, it's fu- a fun start to the episode. It was a fun start. Because you're like... They're attacking a tanker truck, very Mad Max style. They drive up, their car splits in two and drives in two directions. You're like, okay, sure, this yeah, is great. Again, I'll say, it's a great opening to the show. And 
I almost, I almost feel like there's another sequence later on where it kind of gets insane near the end. But could you imagine if it was just 45 minutes like this? Would that be the most fun? You'd just be like, this was an insane show. And it almost feels like, well, probably not within their budget, not possible. And, and also hard to tell a story that way. That would have been a hilariously fun uh, yeah, show. Yeah, if Like it an was, over-the-top violent show. What's that show I'm trying to think of that I've never seen? It was like Mad Max Chips. Right, like it right, was just yeah, yeah. Highway cops or something just driving around, and it's and it's just nonstop. Like, how bad is this world? It's just nonstop. People shooting at them and explosions yeah, stuff. Just and that, that's what I feel like this maybe could have found a little niche for itself. Instead, they kind of just tease you with it. Yeah, they want that little house in the prairies kind of western mm-hmm. feel too much. Anyway, um, the attack happened. They they attack them. I mean, Rex's car. Correct me if I'm wrong. It crashes. In 30 seconds of arriving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just flips it. He just, he just, he flips it and crashes. Yeah. Macbeth, he raises his air to ground rockets. He has like, he shoots arguably 12 rockets yeah. out of a, a huge rocket container. I was just like, he's so, I was like, what is happening? Where are these rockets coming it, from? It reminded me of, and I think I've told, told you this before. I had a friend when I was a kid and he'd always point out really factual inaccuracies in really stupid movies we were watching i think it was like delta force with chuck norris or okay. something like that and chuck norris turned around uh you know said something pithy and then shot rockets off his motorbike and blew up a building and he and he remember he was he's was like there's no way that motorbike would be able to hold rocket launchers <laughs> and i was like it's a chuck norris movie anyways it reminded me a little bit of that it's like yeah all right i'll buy it you thought of your friend as soon as it happened yeah, he would just be criticizing this i mean it was fun i loved it yeah it was just like they're so much firepower. Everyone's overpowered. They're on like future cars. He basically defeats the bad guys. He he saves the runaway transport because both its driver and the guy have been injured. And mm-hmm. and they basically uh, he basically saves the day and calls it into headquarters and says, "Don't worry, you guys, it's all taken care of." And then he uh, drives out to go pick up his old buddy Rex, who's had that uh, car crash. Where we get the first big turn of the show. Oh, so what we find out is Rex, and we should say um, Rex is played by Miguel Ferrer, who. Second time appearance on our sh- podcast. Yeah, who was he? In, who was he before? He was in uh, Justice League. Oh, that's right. He was the and, bad guy, yeah. weatherman. And and again, uh, he, he's just one of those fun character actors. And I feel bad because later on, now he's he's not. Let's say he's not a leading man looking type of guy, no. but good character actor. He's very good. He plays weasels real well. He's um, good in this actually. He is good in this too, but he does not look like an android. And I think that's part of the joke is that. Not the joke, but the the little twist is that he's an android, which is we find out here. But I'll mention later on, what's his face? His partner's always kind of mean to him. And he mentions at one point, he's like, yeah, a robot that's like prematurely balding and stuff. And it's like, well, you guys cast him. You guys cast the prematurely balding guy. Why would you like even mention that for the android? It is funny. They do sort of talk about, there's a whole sequence where they're like, look at his looks. And it's like, but what? It's this weird thing as if they had to call out that the audience was like, no way that robot would be that unattractive. And it's like, no one's thinking that. It's fine. It's true. I wasn't yeah. thinking it till they started talking yeah. about it. But, but the part is, and, and I know I will always harp on this. Basically, he's lying there, the robot, yeah. in the scene. He's but lost an arm. He's lost an arm. And then for his whatever reason, work. yeah, he has to open, um, his partner has to open his chest, which looks pretty good. But what I love is just the way the way the, the art team did it. The chest like comes off, but still has chest hair all on it. Yeah. It's like a little chest plate. You yeah. A little chest plate. And then he like, you know, fiddles with it and he's okay. And then when they put the chest plate back, it clearly doesn't fit anymore. Right. And so then they just like cover it with a shirt. And I was just like, oh, that looks bad. But I thought it was great because you get to see all his cables and everything. It is very fun. He's uh he's an RX-107 rex mm-hmm. if you will and just to clarify he's not just an android he's a cyborg that's right yeah and i at first we were like was like okay well this show is just using cyborg as a catch-all for robot no but they're not but later on he will actually say well i used to be human and Macbeth's like i don't want to talk about that like Macbeth was disgusted by the idea yeah. that he used to be yeah, human. They, they, they imply that he either used to be alive and is being reanimated as or as with robotic parts or they've simply taken like a frankenstein sort of human parts and have you know adapted it with with uh, robotics to make a new person yeah and i will say it is never clear quite how the cyborgs work in this show no like somehow he used to be human how who knows no what we know is so there's androids or there are android robots and then there's cyborgs and then i guess there's also just prosthetics Right. So someone just might have a prosthetic arm or something, but they're not necessarily an... Uh, uh, right, right. They're not necessarily a cyborg. Yeah. They're still mostly human. They're mostly. a real doc. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> they're real doc. That's funny. That's from that's from Space Rangers, everybody. Um, so we go back to Custer City, 
where uh, it's, you know, your classic Mad Max style outpost. Um, you kind of get a bit of a view. It, it, you know, it's basically just an outpost, right? There's like a doc, there's a place called Dr. Dimitri's. Yeah. And you kind of get the sense it's maybe if the show had went on, it would be their kind of their bar hangout. Rex goes there to get repaired yeah. where he gets a new arm that's skin tone is slightly off and he's a little annoyed by that. But then as he walks out of the repair room, it's also a bar. Mm-hmm. And there's like a running joke where people offer him shots and he's just like, I can't drink. I'm a robot. And everyone laughs really hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it didn't. I, I don't know. This The whole thing didn't work. But I would say I thought the outside of this looked better than the inside. The inside just looked like they were acting out of freight containers. Right, right, right. I didn't like the look of it at all. It just was a series of stairs, like iron stairs and freight containers. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it was like, eh. all all the set design, all the stuff for the exterior stuff. You know, if you're going to rob, at least rob from the best. And they definitely mm-hmm. did. Um, and we get a little bit here. Let's do this. We'll get, we get a little bit of info about Macbeth while they're back at Custer City. Because they meet Sharon Stone. And we kind of learn a little bit about, as their boss, a little bit about the, her her team. She also fits into the, the character we've seen many times, which is woman who we want in the show, but don't want to be too involved in the action. So we stick her at a computer the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And who I is in love with the lead, but he's the worst human being alive yeah but whatever he says she still kind of finds it charming well she constantly talking about how he's he's just the best he's the best marshal she has mm. as was sure has he destroyed six cyborgs and three patrol systems <laughs> absolutely and uh he, she, but she loves him she yeah. loves him he's the best later she'll be like you're really ruining my cost reports but <laughs> yeah but he's the best he's the best and Macbeth also to help further uh, for us as an audience to further identify with him. He loves watching old VHS tapes. That's right. Yeah. He sits down in his cow pattern chairs <laughs> and he just, he likes to watch what is it, the professionals with Lee Marvin. Does he um, live out of a trailer? Yes. He lives out of a trailer. Yeah. With his VHS tapes. Yeah. It's weird. Of, and it's very funny because he seems to like, you know, like a Lee Marvin. He likes like a sixties, very like heavily male, fantasy driven they, like it's funny because that is his whole character he's, he's just like an awful he's like a, he is a person who had been weaned only on those movies well i have to say though you know you can go into a whole diatribe about you know how that how that character is in those sort of movies but those actors nailed it you know like oh. you mentioned you know you mentioned a steve mcqueen or uh you said lee marvin or some of these people there's a character type there this guy is not that. No, no, this is what I'm saying. This is like a guy you bump into on a bus who these are the movies he loves and that's right. how he styles his life after them. Because he's always just like, I go by my gut, whatever my gut tells me I do. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? And also, no offense to the actor, but I just don't think. there's, there's I don't think there's anything there that you can grab on as a viewer. He is really like the 1980s, like C-tier action star, like smarmy looking probably has a rat tail at the back of his head like yeah he's played by lewis smith i don't i wasn't familiar with him i think i knew his face but i didn't i don't know anything he's done no, I, I didn't know him either um let's move on to rex for a little bit here mm-hmm. let's know rex a little bit um we don't get to learn a lot about his background other than he maybe was a human at some point but he seems to actually have of the two characters he seems to have the most emotion or at least that comes out like he's really trying to get Macbeth to like him. He he clearly has a need for his partner and him to become good partners. And yeah, they and they sort of play the, you know, they're friends, but it's sometimes they're sarcastic with each other. But there's a couple things that's weird about this. It's an abusive relationship because, oh, 100%. because Macbeth is I think pretty much nine out of ten things he says to him are just put downs or very sarcastic cutting remarks for for and no reason they're not like they're just apropos of it's, nothing it's because he watches the vhs's and in those right. things a man can't show his feelings even though it's yeah. quite clear he's fond of rex it's quite clear they're fond yeah. of each other he can't say a nice word about rex you know let me ask you about rex though are they implying that he's not supposed to have human emotions and he is they it seems really, like they play it both ways they really do toy with the idea he that's what the a lot of the insults are it's like well you're just an android you're just a cyborg you don't know anything about these things yeah. even though it's quite clear he does in fact like there's a scene in the trailer where rex is like would you miss me if i was gone and he's like why would i miss an android and like it's very funny because rex kind of gets a little pouty he's mm-hmm. like oh, why would you say that and Macbeth gets annoyed so he uses his smartwatch to turn him off yeah he just he puts him on pause he puts him on pause his eyes go red and he's just like stuck in a position but 
I was like, why did he pause him? He j- it was like the equivalent of like, wouldn't it be cool if someone's nagging you and you just you just put them on pause? You don't have to hear that nagging anymore. Well, I think this is like, wouldn't it be cool if uh, one of your male friends was trying to express feelings he had and uh, <laughs> it was hard for you to deal with, so you just put them on pause? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, these are kind of what we get to learn about these two characters while we're hanging out in Custer City. Um, but what we learned from Sharon Stone is that Macbeth is getting promoted to the L.A. Training Center. Mm-hmm. What what a uh, what a goal! What a prestigious opportunity! Yeah. This, like other shows we've watched, this episode is actually quite a bit like that one episode of uh, Space Rangers we watched, where there's like robots are taking everyone's mm, jobs, kind yeah. of thing. Because he's going to be replaced by another cyborg. Basically, cyborgs are coming for everybody's jobs. Is the idea? And you know what conflict? Because he's the best. He's the best. Yes. Has he caused <laughs> millions of dollars in damage and thrown her cost reports all out of whack? Absolutely. He's the best. But his results, you can't argue with his results. I've had this argument with people at work, I feel. Like, I'm just like, look look at all this. Look at all this just death and destruction around us. And they're like, no, but they're the best. Absolutely. Well, when you go to work, you usually like to smash two computers a day, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're you're so good at your job that it's forgivable. It, it's it doesn't matter. It's it okay. Matter. They're like, well. I, what I always say is, I'd like to see how I can do this job without smashing computers. I've never seen it done before. Never seen, not me. Uh, I'm the best at this job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Does it cost you hundreds of hundreds of dollars a week? Absolutely. It's all about results, baby. <laughs> before he leaves, he's going to be given one final class one top priority assignment. <laughs> and that is to escort two mail order brides to their new water engineer husband's in sector 34 now this was a real western plot absolutely um but a very odd choice for a tv show i thought and more importantly for a pilot it feels i mean you know it we, feels like the stakes could not be lower well I, they call it top one top priority but it really is like the lowest priority mission of all and it's funny you know we watch these shows and you know they're from time periods and you have to kind of understand sometimes that like eh, these things aren't right but I just feel like this is like 88 and I just feel like the idea of moving these mail order bright, like they just never really got into it, but you could feel like they were like, well, this doesn't quite make sense. Like they, it just never really clicked. It's a way to have the action start yeah. and to get the plot moving, but you're right. It's sort of like, oh, and they're mail order brides. And don't really worry about that. It doesn't really matter. It does, but it's more just, well, the key, it, it's, yeah. it sets the domino. Well, the up. two the two women are Miss Valentine and Miss Gwen. Yeah, and throughout the course of the episode, they'll kind of give a variety of reasons, like just why they would be mail order brides, because it really does raise a question, like why? Yeah, they they what did they they mention that the cities are really overpopulated? Yeah, got a great way to escape the city, even better tax write offs, which I was just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of talk about how it's you know you can't have any independence; you can kind of live your own mm-hmm. dream. Like to come out here to the west. Even though the idea of being like a mail order bride is the opposite of having independence, they keep trying to position it as like, oh, it's giving me independence. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it, you know, traditionally, that's the opposite of what you're getting. I did like, though, we learn what their jobs are and why they're leaving their jobs. Gwen used to be a school teacher. Yeah. But how, how many students were there in class? Oh, 300 kids in class. <laughs> yeah. She was, do just anymore. Like, she was like, it's just too many kids. 300. And then uh, Valentine used to be a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, why does she have to give up the hairdressing game? I can't remember. Why is it? Well, she was just like, oh, I couldn't do it anymore. The new style, everyone's just bald. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, she was all. just talking about how the new style of hair <laughs> in the city was being bald. So hold on. That's easy to do. You can just keep churning people out. But I, I assume what she's saying is once they're bald, they're Apparently, not, they're not they're coming back. They're defoli- just defoliating their entire hair. It was just so bizarre. She's taking out that pesky th- first four or five layers of skin just taken right off i think maybe what she loved was like styling the hair not the cutting of it right, so she, right. she really lost her meaning of life. hey there's still eyebrows oh it's, why haven't we seen a show where everyone has crazy future eyebrows that's yeah. a great it's idea gonna, it's gonna come up anyway uh Macbeth and rex set off on their drive to sex to 34 with these people and um they kind of get a warning as they leave to watch out for this uh, bad guy who's still at large, Johnny Cantrell. Yeah, and I, watch love, out. I love the name Johnny Cantrell. I like as they leave, they're like, and watch out. He's got a new face. <laughs> I know, which is such a weird thing because we've never seen Johnny Cantrell Person, before. Person, a character we've never met. So why do you, who cares? He has no relationship face. to us or the characters that we're yeah. aware of. None of them, seemingly none of them know him, have just heard of them and go, by the way, he's got a new face. 
Oh, oh, interesting. Cool. Okay, I'm not going to know. Um, we kind of get a bit of a long drive sequence where it's so far to get to Sector 34, they have a camp out halfway through. Yeah, that was weird, right? Didn't it feel like a real like stutter stop for the show? Yeah, because they were driving. There's like a bit of flirting between uh, Valentine and Rex. She's like, I'm not married yet, Rex. What about it? A bit. A bit. I Are should... we going to talk about the... Let's just do it right yeah, now. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the... During um, the camping during scene. During the camping scene... Macbeth and I'm sorry I don't know what the lady's name is Gwen Gwen they go off to kind of have their moment in conversation where he's basically trying to be like are you sure you want to be a male order bride is this what you want in your life and she's explaining why yeah and at the same time Rex and the other lady Valentine Valentine are having presumably getting a little hot and heavy yeah she she kind of wanted them to take a little walk so she yeah. could get it on with Rex and long story short when we come back to Rex and Valentine yes he is <laughs> He's what seems like he is zipping up and pulling up his pants because she's free. She sort of screams and alerts them and coming over. And what I think they're implying was his pants came down. She saw his penis and it's a robot penis. Am I right? I mean, certainly while they are gone, she starts screaming, you're a cyborg. So clearly she reached into a part of his body mm-hmm. that did not hide the fact he was a cyborg. And since everything we've seen, he, we've seen him shirtless now. Mm-hmm. The implication is it can only be in his pants. But he was pulling his pants up. So, well, I, I think you're right. I, I'm not disagreeing. I think yeah. you probably are correct. Uh, it just also looked like... I, it didn't look good, is what I'm saying. None of that looked good. Oh, it looked terrible. And, I, no, it didn't look good, I don't think, in 1988, and it looks way worse in 2019. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. It's real. It was a real weird and rough scene. And like as I come back, Rex is just like, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't do it. Yeah. It's, it was really weird. Yeah. Although, Anyways, it doesn't matter at all. Did you like? Did you like before that happened though, when uh, Rex was making dinner? Oh yeah, and he does. Um, it's it's like future food. I know when it happens. It's uh, for for anyone listening. It's twenty one minutes and thirteen seconds in. <laughs> um, they basically looks like um almost like a microwave dinner. Like you know you'd have um everything kind of separated by the plate, and it looks it just looks really dry. And I think is it he adds a drops of water. Yeah, a drop of water. Yeah, he, he's he's doing a test of survival as food, which they you add water to a powdered food, and then it sort of goes when it looks like food. I thought it looked like slop. <laughs> well, it looks it looks like slop, but I have to say, it probably looks like that technology would work. Like if right, you just right. added water, just made everything bushy. It's like that's what it is. Did you catch what he was making though? The actual food? No, what was it? It was swordfish, new potatoes. <laughs> Broccoli, yeah, with hollandaise sauce. <laughs> oh, whoa! Why was there hollandaise sauce? But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what new potatoes are. I don't know why you combine all those things together. Why it's a slop? Nothing. I have no idea. What kind of fish was it? Swordfish. There was no swordfish on that plate. Can you eat swordfish? I feel like no. You can eat swordfish. You can eat swordfish. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not that way. Not that way. I mean, maybe it just... No, when it just looks like beans. Maybe this survivalist powder stuff is uh, yeah, it's yeah. the flavor of swordfish. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like uh, World War II. I wouldn't eat powdered eggs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this, after after this weird interlude in, in the night, they finally get to Sector 34. They drop the girls off with their new husbands. and uh, But the new husbands are... They are um, water, water, engineer, wa- engineers. water engineers. They both are acting kind of weird. The whole sequence is like... I don't know if it's now just again where it's it's we're looking back at an older show and you have to you'd be maybe a little more confused but you're you're watching you're like something's weird here. It feels like they're what is happening really is they're bending over backwards to imply something's weird. Because honestly, I was watching it and I was just like, I know they're trying to tell me something's weird here, right? But it's just dropping off these two engineers and like they're like, well, where are the rest of the engineers? They're like, well, they're at work, and they're like, well, okay, but they're doing this because they're gonna leave, Matt. Macbeth and Rex are yeah. going to leave. They drop the ladies off. They go, done the job. We're off. And Macbeth is just going to have a gut feeling that yeah. something was wrong. Well, because you know he's kind of, he's that kind of cop who may not play by the rules, but he goes by his guts. And if we know anything about that kind of character, his guts are always right. Yeah. Well, so I feel like this whole scene was played extra weird so that we could like, he Justify. could have a gut feeling about yeah. it. Because what happens is they leave, the girls go into like the work shed and find all the water engineers turned up. Yeah. They're all tied up. They're all, yeah, they're tar- turned up. Is that what I said? Yeah, they're getting up. they're getting turned up. <laughs> yeah, they're getting turned up. There's just like black light and just like the music. It was great. Um, and of course, it's Johnny Cantrell. <laughs> He's yeah. come to kidnap these the brides of Lizard Gulch. Now, I don't know what Johnny Cantrell's original face looked like, but I was mighty disappointed in his new face because he just was nothing. 
Like Johnny Cantrell, I was so excited. He was going to look like a gangster. He was going to have, you know, like an old mushy Dick Tracy villain kind of face. And I was like, ah, oh, Johnny Cantrell. No. He's just a dude, like a boring. I, I don't even remember what he looks like. He's, he's probably he's like more handsome than the lead, but yeah. only 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 minutely so. <laughs> yeah, that's Johnny Cantrell. But as Rex and Max drive away, they kind of get an argument about hunches and like how oh that husband was too casual about meeting his new wife. You should be much more nervous when you meet your new wife. <laughs> yeah, and he like calls up Sharon Stone. He's like, hey Sharon, do they need to sign their marriage contracts before we drop them off or afterward? She's like, oh afterward. He's like. I knew it. We got to go back. But what I like is they have this conversation while they're going, I don't know, 200 miles an hour. Sure. They're going real fast. They're driving, driving, driving. It's not like they're in the parking lot having this conversation. They're still going. And, and like, well, why don't you guys just stay there and have this conversation? They get so far. And then they go, well, let's get back. And the reason they got to get back is because stuff's got to happen. But that gut, on, it takes a while to that gut feeling to like, I guess. Ramp yeah. Up. Also, poor Sharon Stone. Huh? It's oh, such know. a terrible role. I mean, what an easy shoot for her. I'm sure she was there for like a day and a half. Her, her role is be charmed by this guy, give... Answer uh, the phone. Yeah, answer the phone and answer their questions. Um, when they get back, they untie all the water engineers. And this is, of course, where uh, the famous line is uttered. Oh, yeah. Does the name Johnny Cantrell split any atoms for you? Exactly. And um, <laughs> they head out to track down what happened to these brides. And at first, they just start driving around based on his gut feeling. I love it because they're just driving down the highway. And he's just like, why are we driving this way? He's like, I just feel like it's right. I'm like, oh, and I, I forgot about this point. And this was, I don't know if this is a time period thing because it's the 80s. It's so weird what happens next. Yes, they, they come across <laughs> a old hippie wandering the wasteland by the name of Moondance. And it's at all times complimentary and really insulting to anyone who... Uh, would have called themselves a hippie yeah. at one point. Well, the hippie is kind of out of his mind. He only speaks in quotes of Grateful Dead lyrics. Yeah. Which is weird. And he he's, As hippies do. He's been trying to get to San Francisco, even though it's been restricted for six years and there's no new residents allowed. Yep. So does this, uh, this show predicted the San Francisco housing crisis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's like this whole thing where they're like, oh, we need to get him some water so he feels better. Can you explain to me what happens here? They're like, we, he needs water, and Rex has a tin glass, and he puts two drops of water in the tin glass, and the tin glass explodes, and that's and then they they and I was just like, no, I, I don't know. I was like, was I not paying attention? What? No, I thought the same thing. It's just like, what? Why? It just does. That's why. And then it's not commented on. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. I think. There. I think it just was like maybe part of a larger scene before, or there was defect they had, but it got cut. I. It just. It is weird. They just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if a mug explodes and it does? I, uh, I mean, I'm glad it was the same for you because I was yeah. so confused as to what happened there. At any rate, what happens is Macbeth is able to interpret what the old boomer hippie is saying because <laughs> his dad used to be an old hippie. And we get a much longer uh, oh, this goes on description of, of hippies than you would think. Like it goes on and on. It's like, well, in 1968, and you're just like, oh my gosh, no one cares. He's describing his dad and how his dad used to be like, the, like it's insane. Yeah. And like, you're right. It's both complimentary and kind of making fun. It's, it's a yeah. weird, they can't decide what they think about yeah. it. Yeah, but he basically eventually gives them information that uh, he points them towards Dinosaur City. Am I right? That's what it's called. Yeah. It's an old train yard. Um, and Rex has never heard of a train before? Yeah. What kind I of, know. What kind of programming are in these? Well, and it's also, even it's 2005. Like, when when could have could they have stopped using trains? I mean, they would have been around in 1995 when the drought happened, right? Exactly. It's only it's, been ten years. I know it's yeah, it's really weird. It's 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 very odd. It, but, and also they add that, but for no reason. It does. It's like it's like I don't know about trains. Is that going to be used used later in the show? Nope. It's just like we're so far in the future, we forgot about trains. Yeah, I think that's the comment they're making. Anyway, they, they sneak up to this this train yard and they, they see uh, old Cantrell's gang hanging out and they see him taking the brides into a, into a room. So they, they sneak down and like punch out a dude and break into where they're holding the brides. But uh, it's all a trap. Mm-hmm. But I have a question. How is it all a trap? They didn't know they were coming. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Basically, all they really needed, uh, I mean, not all they really needed, but this would have at least made more sense, is one scene where you see why the turn happens. You know, like we go back in and go, because we'll say now, what happens is 
Um, what was the woman's name? Valentine or Gwen? Uh, who's the... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. Gwen, what we learn here is they get in there and they find Valentine. Yeah. And the big reveal is that Gwen is actually Kentrell's sister. Her Sue. name is actually Sue Kentrell. Yeah. Yeah. And so what they really just needed was one scene where even either she acted weird or um, you see her with him, like he comes out of the shadows or something. Just something that connects those two things. But they went, wouldn't that be a great reveal? And you're like... But, why and why would they be back and why were they waiting for them and it just doesn't make any sense yeah it's it's a little strange um so they kind of get this background about how sue or gwen actually tricked valentine into becoming a mail order bride and the whole reason was that valentine's brother at some point robbed a super tanker with cantrell and then cantrell got caught and went to jail and now he wants his cut from the super tanker job but the brother is dead valentine doesn't know anything about it like it's so it's such a strange, complicated thing. More, more important is that he wears a long duster jacket and one long earring, in classic <laughs> two thousand five uh, fashion. That w- that was the fashion of the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I've seen photos of you from university. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cantrell kind of leaves the marshals and Valentine alone after, like after this is all revealed and why they're there. Yeah, Cantrell they and them. Sue are just like, we're gonna leave you here to think, Valentine, about where that money you don't know where it is is. So when we come back, you'll tell us, even though you don't know where it. Is. Like I couldn't, like it was just, it was so odd. Yeah, my my note is, wait, do they want the money from the girl? Because I just didn't know what the point of this was. I, that's the idea, I think, is they're like, give us the money your brother stole from me, and it's just like she's like, I don't know anything about it. he's dead. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, think about it. And they're like, all right, well, well, I'm gonna leave for a bit, and when I come back. <laughs> I guess I'll ask you again. <laughs> but I mean, the reason they leave is because it kind of gives Rex one of his better turns and thing. Yeah. Is he just becomes the Terminator. Yeah. He just, they're basically just, what I like at one point, uh, uh, the one woman says to uh, Rex, like, what kind of crappy robot are you? You can get shot. You can get super strong, all this stuff. And Rex goes, well, you know, being a good partner also is like making sure my partner's okay. And they're like, oh, my mistake but then almost immediately like smash cut to him just he walks through a wall just slamming through a wall and they just start shooting the hell out of him yeah there's a firing squad lined up of like a dozen people it's almost like a scene from robocop like it's just super this is what i mean like this show they just have these moments after just you don't know what's happening and why am i watching this and so boring and then they're like what if we shoot eight thousand rounds at a guy and you're like yes this is the show yeah all the gang is great looking they're all like weird like punk looking men and women like Mm. they're all just unloading weapons on him and he's just walking toward them until finally like he collapses from all the bullets and then ignites on fire. <laughs> I know. But also, that was his plan. His plan was, I'm going to let them shoot me so many times, I explode. Into flame. Into, into flames, flame. yeah. I mean, it, I guess his idea is he's basically giving Macbeth and Valentine the chance to like make a run for it. And yeah. they do, but they end up seeing <laughs> the vehicle they were driving get exploded. And, uh, you know, once again, he's destroyed another system, another security system somehow. But they've now lost their way out there. Valentine and Macbeth have no way out. They see a train car and they're like, maybe we can drive that. And as they're sneaking up to the train car, Sue catches them. Sue slash Gwen yeah. catches them. But she's changed her mind about what she's doing. And now she wants to save them. Yeah. She's like, I have a dream and like, I have things I want to do with my life. I'm so sorry I dragged I'm, you I'm out sorry. here. I'm sorry that I, I tricked you in a way that doesn't make any sense. So, so my brother good. could ask you where the money yeah, was so, so. that you don't know about. Yeah. She gives them guns and they get on this old train and, and Macbeth's uh, working to get it started and uh, a nightmare appears. Is that a nightmare? Oh, oh, look at the skeleton. Rex's <laughs> puppeteered robot skeleton suddenly leans around a corner. It's all eyeballs and teeth and like <laughs> weird. It, it's it's like out of nowhere, a puppet <laughs> arrives in the middle of this show. Yeah. And, and it moves just like you would think a sort of puppet from 1988 would move. Like... He, you know, turn its head, move yeah. its arm. You you can't see the whole body. They have to have it always leaning across something because you can't see where all mm-hmm. the wires are sticking out of. I mean, it's great. It's my favorite part of the show is that Rex is now a talking puppet robot skeleton. Yeah. With just huge eyes and teeth. Oh, my God. It is like a nightmare. When it leaned around <laughs> and started talking, I'm like, what is happening now? I don't understand what this is. What is and, happening? And he'll pretty much stay like that for the rest of the show. He'll, his character is now... Robot puppet. Robot puppet. They drive the train 
through, I guess, I don't know, a barn that you hold trains in. He like yeah. drives it through a wall. As they drive through, they just shoot at all of uh, Cantrell's men. Keep- yeah, there's just a lot of like, it's it, one of those actions. Everyone's just shooting everyone and everyone's yeah, dying. They drive all the way through the barn, get the other side, out the other side, and then they stop the train and they're like, all right, let's turn around and go back. And they turn it around and they just drive it back <laughs> through the barn. And it is great though, because they're just firing randomly. Like, you don't yeah. see anyone connecting. The robot's just got a gun and like yeah. the puppet's just firing randomly. And. I guess they kill everybody. At some point, Contrell almost gets the drop on Macbeth, but you know Sue kills her brother to redeem her. Yeah, it's that or classic. Something. They think he's got him, and then she shoots him from behind. Which I thought was very funny because I, I figured when they said he got a new face, maybe this was going to be like a running villain. And no, no, we've never seen him before. Got a new face. Now he's dead. Don't worry about it. I know. It's like, why did they have anything? Why didn't he, like his face fall off or something? That'd be great. His face just slumps yeah. off. And, like, he's like, no, the stitches. You know, It'd be so good. <laughs> He's also that he also becomes a, a, a oh, puppet. I'm also a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Better show. Anyway, they they return back to Custard City, Custard City, Custard City. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they return back, and uh, the brides decide that you know what, neither of you are getting arrested. It's not not your fault. Your brother manipulated you, and you guys can go about your day. They're like, all right, we're gonna go back. We're gonna be water engineer brides. We still think it's a worthwhile career to follow. <laughs> mm-hmm. We sort of wrap up their plot. Um, this is Sharon Stone uh, gets a little mad at him for uh, messing up her equipment budget. Yeah, I think she mentions it's the worst he's ever done. It's the worst he's ever done, but he's still the best. Yeah, this is the worst. You're the best. I'm gonna make eyes at you. You're gonna be smirmy and kind of like just like yeah, I know I'm cool. And she's like, I just love him. Look at him. He's covered in grease. I yeah. love. Him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Macbeth turns down his promotion because, uh, as we know, cyborgs don't improvise or have gut feelings. Just like Space Ranger taught us. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't leave this job because you need him. And Rex gets a new skin suit. Same actor. But this time he has bolts in his neck. Yeah, it's a gag they're going for. It's the same gag they did earlier on, which I think we mentioned when he first gets his arm replaced. It's like a slightly paler skin. So he's like, oh, my arm doesn't match. And now, for whatever reason... They've got it. They've got they've the same got, he's flesh got she had before. The classic Frankenstein bolt, Frankenstein bolt out of yeah. his neck. And But the joke is... Can you believe I have these bolts on my neck? And then and Macbeth's like, you, I got to show you this movie, Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an episode of Man and Machine. Yeah, I know. I know. It's wild. And and that's the show. That's what it ends on. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, weird show with yeah. like a real brief highlight at the start and a real brief mm. highlight at the end. But like just a lot of like, what is going on in the middle? Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know who thought this was going to be a series. Like, can you imagine what the series would be? You know what? I honestly can. Like, I honestly think you just take any Western TV show, like any plot, like uh, Bandits Took the Ranch, um, Horse Rustlers. Uh, I don't know. What other Western, like, stereotypes do you have? Train robbery. Train robbery. You add water as the thing they're taking. And right. then you have them drive in in their right. green monster. And drive them up. like it's. It would just be, it would just be whatever Gunsmoke did. It would just like you just take every you could take every script for right. Gunsmoke. They wanted a, they wanted an update of the Western for for the new generation, the Pepsi generation. The Pepsi generation <laughs> needs a Western. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely what it is. Like that is what I would imagine a, a typical episode would be. Like I can definitely envision what the show would be, and it just wouldn't be good. I mean, yeah. that, let me put it this way: there would be one good action sequence an episode, because. Every episode, they built that puppet, that puppet skeleton. Yeah. So every episode, he's going to be a puppet skeleton. He's got to lose his skin. He's, his skin's going to slough off. <laughs> he's going to walk around as a puppet skeleton because they spent so much money. There's a puppeteer working on the show just yeah. for that purpose. Yeah, I don't know. It's The show doesn't work. It, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Well, what do you think? Well, hold on. I want to say one more oh, thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, d- did you watch it all the way through the credits? No, no. No, I I I had seen enough at that point. Well, you missed you missed the best part of the episode. What was it? Uh, tonight on Nightline. Well, what was the Nightline? Uh, tonight on Nightline, when she dressed her son as a pig to punish him for stealing, authorities intervened. <laughs> like, Tell me more about this pig son. <laughs> that's a better show. That's a better show right there. <laughs> it's just like now that's a Nightline episode. So sorry, she she dressed her son as a pig to punish him for stealing. Well, you know what. And then the authorities intervened. Is it their right? Is that okay? <laughs> Can you dress your son as a pig? I don't. I, you know what? 
I'll, ne- I'll never know. So I'll never know because we didn't we didn't watch it. Anyway, all right, fine. Let's let's get on to the ratings for the episode. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to give it one solid point for that opening scene. Great. I'm also giving it a, a, a huge solid point for the end, and I'm giving another solid point for No Skin Ro- Robot Puppet. Three out of ten. Three out of ten. Wow. Because it's terrible. This is a terrible show. Yeah, I mean, it is a terrible show. I Here's what I'm going to say, though. I will say that opening's a lot of fun. There's some weird garbage in the middle. But <laughs> <laughs> it, went, it was kind of fun to watch. And it gonna, went by fast. It's 48 minutes. Yeah. It's like not a slog in some ways. And when you get to the end, like once you get to the f- climax, it's just like out of control. <laughs> I honestly think of the shows we've watched, I'm like, you know what? This was like 48 minutes was like weird. And you're right. It's a slog in the middle. I'm still going to go up to a six, I think. Oh, my gosh. This is not a six. I just think at 48 minutes, it's so weird. It's so weird. Honestly, there's a few minutes in the beginning and a few minutes in the end and then maybe a couple minutes here and there. You have maybe, maybe 10 minutes of watchable content in this show. I, I don't know. I, I I think it's so out of... It's so weird. So much of it's yeah. so weird. I, I would never want to watch a series of it. But I think at 48 minutes, it was... I don't know. I just felt like I'm like you could get some enjoyment out of this episode. You could yeah, you fair could, enough. You could spend a worse 48 minutes, and when you get to and we when, have, and when you arrive at that end part where the like robot puppet arrives, you'd be like, all right, it was all worth it. <laughs> all right, all right, Jordan. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. So, well, combined, we this thing is a nine. Yeah, that's how that's how averages <laughs> work. <laughs> it got up to a nine. Yeah, nine out of ten. If you want to talk to us more about robotic puppets, I guess. I don't know. What else is in this? I guess um, the potential of a drought that's going to make this terrible show someday. And splitting atoms. Oh, yeah. Splitting atoms. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at continuumdragagenome.com. And of course, on Instagram and Twitter, there will definitely be some good clips from this show. Mm-hmm. There's just no way there won't be. Yeah. There's some fun, weird stuff in this episode. Um, but that about wraps it up. So thanks for joining us, listeners. And uh, Jordan, it's been good. Yeah, let's go split some atoms. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.